Thanks for letting me share with you today. Um, I'm with CMS, which stands for Church Missionary Society, and I've been based in Cambodia for the last few years. I've been serving as an occupational therapist, as a talk therapist or school counsellor, and also tutoring English. Um, but I've also been part of a large Khmer church and I attend a home group there. As I was starting to prepare to come back to Australia, I really reflected on my time over those three years. And it was then that I reread our first passage for today, the scripture in Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, we read the story of how Jesus calls his disciples. Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee when he comes across Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. He says to them, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. As I read this, it struck me that this kind of summed up my time in Cambodia. I'd spent the majority of my time fishing for people, people who wanted to know more about Jesus and who might even be interested in joining his kingdom. Today, I wanna to start by sharing with you a story of a man whose life was greatly affected by war, but who's also one of the most inspiring fishermen I have ever met. I'd like to introduce you to Vek Hun Tang. He is the senior pastor at my home church in Cambodia, Phnom Penh New Life Church in Street 95. He and his wife head up the church, ministering to over a thousand people each week, both live and online. The church is one of the largest Khmer speaking churches in Cambodia, and it has partner churches throughout Cambodia. But life hasn't always been easy for the Tangs. Let's go back to 1975. Cambodia, a usually peaceful country, was suddenly thrown into chaos when the prince of the time was overthrown by an army general. The overthrow occurred because of a long-standing animosity between Cambodia and Vietnam. The Khmer Rouge, as they came to be called, dreamed of revolution, the total abolishment of the old Cambodia, its history, traditions, religions, social and family life. In 1975, Pastor Tang was already working in Christian ministry in Cambodia. At the time, there were probably only a few thousand Christians in Cambodia, most who were only very recent converts. There were only three Christian con congregations in the city. However, however, Cambodians were coming to Christ and when Pastor Tang began ministry in the capital, 99 Cambodian Buddhists prayed to receive Christ. And later on at the university, over 500 university students. Things were looking promising. However, the Tangs could also see that their country was going to fall to the communists. Despite many people urging them to leave, they remained. They could not leave those they were discipling and they were leaders amongst the people. Even on the day before Phnom Penh fell to the Khmer Rouge, 
Pastor Tang was conducting a two-day training workshop in evangelism and discipling to more than a hundred people. But as the fight, fighting worsened, they were forced to stop. Instead, Pastor Tang led people to pray Psalm 91, later heading over with 25 others to the government buildings to witness there. After the takeover of the city had occurred, things changed rapidly. Every city resident was forced to leave and those that refused were shot. The Tangs left Phnom Penh, taking with them their young baby, some ministry materials and some powdered milk. The future was uncertain, but despite the situation, they didn't stop praying and trusting God that he would still fulfill his purposes through these unimaginable events. They lived on nothing but thin rice gruel. Death was all around them. They started to realise that they were going to have to move if they were going to have enough food to survive. So they prayed and were given an opportunity. God used a man called Kean to take them to a larger town. But before reaching the town, they had the opportunity to share with Kean who had decided to accept Jesus as his personal Lord and Saviour. They had many more opportunities to share Jesus as time went on. It was often at great risk because religion of all forms was now banned. But even after they made it across the Thai border, at least 19 Cambodians they met in the refugee camp went on to accept Christ. They were granted refugee status and allowed to settle in the US. However, after things stabilised in Cambodia, they returned and to this day, Pastor Tang and his wife can continue to be fishers of people. Many Cambodians are eager. There is a great opportunity to fish at this time and we should listen to the Lord and fish. That's what you've sent me to do. Cambodia needs people who aren't afraid to openly share their faith with non-believers, to help develop local Christians, develop their abilities, and to help them to learn and live, learn to live the authentic Christian life, as we are all called to do. In our second reading today from Luke, Jesus finishes teaching the people around him and then gets into a fishing boat. He says to Simon, one of the disciples, put out your nets in the deep water and catch some fish. Simon answers, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I've learnt that even in a Buddhist country like Cambodia, Jesus still knows where all the fish are. He leads us to those he knows will be receptive to his message. This was the case for me when after my first year in Cambodia, I found myself moving to a new city, six hours from Phnom Penh, but it was also there that I met Puron. A colleague of mine once described Puron 
as someone who never met anyone who wasn't a friend. She had the natural ability to make people feel loved and welcomed. When I met her at the NGO, she was working with disabled children. She absolutely loved the children and the role was perfect for her. People always responded well to her, so it made my role as a sole occupational therapist very easy. Most days, as we headed out on home visits, we would talk about the things of our lives. Early on, I confessed my faith in God to her. She was interested, but told me that her family were Buddhist. Then one day, during one of our conversations, she surprised me by confessing that she always believed there was a God. I asked her to tell me more. She told me she wasn't sure who he was, but she often prayed to him. I then went on to share with her how God had answered several of my prayers recently. Conversations like this continued on over the next few weeks. And then one day, a disabled friend of hers asked Piron for help. Her friend Soknan wanted to go to church on Sundays, but she needed someone to come with her. Piron, always willing to help anyone, of course agreed. So she came to me the next day at work and asked if she could bring her friend along to visit my church. After all, I was the only person she knew who went to a church. <laughs> I immediately said yes. They both came along and after attending church, I asked Piron what she had thought about it all. And she replied with a look of joy on her face. Oh, Bethany, I just love it all. <laughs> She continued to come along every week. Unexpectedly, I ended up leaving Scenery a few months later, but Pierrom and I stayed in touch. I watched Pierrom as she took steps in accepting Christ. And then since I arrived in Australia, she sent me this photo. Amazingly, amongst the coronavirus pandemic, she'd been baptised in a backyard swimming pool by a local pastor. It was such a moment of joy for me, knowing that she was now well and truly in the kingdom of God. Throwing out the fishing net in Cambodia can be great fun too. One example that I can think of was when I had an idea to throw a Valentine's Day party. I asked my friend Nicole if she would help me. She really wasn't too sure. She's not really a party person. But after I explained to her that I would organize the food and all she had to do was translate something for me on the night, she agreed. So I set about inviting 15 girls, no boys, <laughs> this greatly disappointed the guys at the motor mechanics next door, <laughs> but I was firm. This year was girls, maybe next year could be mixed. I decorated the room upstairs, pink streamers, balloons and hearts. I ordered the pizzas. 
we must have enough food and soft drink. <laughs> it was almost time for the party and I explained to Nicole that there was a mix of church and non-church girls coming that day and that I wanted to share a message about the love of God and how Valentine's Day was a day to remember this. Everyone arrived and there was a fun atmosphere. They took photos of each other and the decorations. My 25-year-old neighbour was one of the people who joined in and I was conscious that there were a few that weren't churchgoers and I hoped that they would receive the message with an open mind. The time came for sharing and Nicole did a great job of translating into Kamai. It was well received and there was some conversation as well even some people giving thanks to God for things in their lives. It was a great night, one that I won't forget. A few months later, I received a message from my young neighbour who had attended the party. She just sent a photo of herself and it was in church. She told me that she joined a local church and was going every Sunday. I was so overjoyed. It reminded me that we just have to be willing and God will do the rest. In Cambodia, there are many different ways of catching fish. When catching fish in rice fields, some use eggs and even toothpaste. Sometimes you need to do things that will entice the fish to you. One of the ways that I'm able to do this is through my work as an occupational therapist and school counsellor. Let me share one reflection from my diary. Lekana entered my talk therapy room in usual fashion, throwing herself down on my lounge and then staring blankly at me. I noticed that she had on her green senior school uniform with her long black hair untidily hanging over her eyes. I explained to her that today I wanted to ask her some questions. Would it be okay? She said yes. Okay, I started. So tell me if you agree or not. I began my checklist. I am smart. Lekana replied without hesitating, no. I am talented. Lekana again replied, no. I am a good student, no. People like me, no. Her answers continued on in the same negative way. When we had finished, I was suddenly struck by a wave of sadness. This obviously beautiful, talented Kamai girl with great intelligence and potential had absolutely no sense of her own value. She was already facing a possible suspension for an incident last week when she had left the class without permission and spent a period sitting in one of the toilets. Even worse was when she told me that no one had even come to look for her during class and I could hear the pain and hurt in her voice. 
I didn't know where to start, but one thing I did know was that only God knew what would work in this situation. That night, as I prayed, he faithfully answered. He prompted me to try something a little bit different, a little bit unorthodox. He wanted me simply to write her a letter. So I got out some paper, sat down and started to compose my letter. I didn't know what to write, but I started off by telling her how much I enjoyed meeting with her each week and how I liked that she was a good listener. And I included some Bible verses about God's love for her. I finished the letter, sealed it up, ready to give it to her the next day. I found her after class the next day and handed over the letter. She was surprised but took it with a smile and put it in her pocket. The following day, I had just finished with another student when Lekana popped her head around the corner. Without saying a word, she handed me a small piece of paper. To my surprise, she had written me a reply. Finally, we were starting to interact. God had opened a way forward. I knew then that God was going to help Lekana to overcome her issues and I hoped she was going to enter into relationship with him, the only one who truly knew her heart and her needs. To finish up, I want to say that even in hard times, like times of war or a pandemic virus, we can still be sharing our faith, praying for people and inviting people into a restored relationship with God. It can be in any way you like, one-on-one -on -one coffee with a friend, a colleague, engaging with youth. Really, it's just the small everyday interactions of daily life. I invite you now to consider how you might be doing this. I'm sure there are people who need to hear the good news just as there were in the Khmer Rouge times in Cambodia. For me personally, I just want to say that I've really appreciated the way people have kept in touch with me during my time in Cambodia. Many people have emailed me and all of you as a church have faithfully prayed for me and the people there. I will be sad to leave Australia if I return to Cambodia next year, but I do believe that there is unfinished business there. Here's a quick example I'd like to share with you. A few days a week, I hit the streets, have breakfast at a local food store, and then join up with my neighbours to make the walk to the local market. At the local market, I meet lots of people the market is a hub of activity. During the transactions of buying and selling, conversations and connections are made. It was here I first met Liang. Liang was a young girl who worked alongside her mother at the local market. And I was surprised to be greeted by her in English. This was not common. <laughs> Most sellers in the market definitely worked in Khmer. Um, and it was a great place for me to practice my Khmer. Anyway, Liang spoke English and she spoke well. 
she was attending a good school at nights and she was up to level seven. She asked if she could practice English with me and I immediately agreed and we set up a time. I would talk to her about how God had sent me to Cambodia, how I attended a church and what Jesus meant to me. She didn't express any views and I wasn't even sure if she was a Buddhist. She didn't have on the customary red string around her wrist. I tried to invite her to church, but it was always not possible because she explained that she had to help her mum with the stall and it was their livelihood. I then tried to give her some Bible-based books in English and suggested she try reading them to practice her English. She accepted the books, but she never spoke of them again. After a while, she found other work and she stopped working with her mother at the market and I didn't see her as much. The only time was on Sundays after church when she would still be there and I would make sure that I dropped by. However, at this time, she was tired after a week of work and the conversations were always short. Then the virus hit and I left Cambodia. Leung is still in contact with me by messenger, even now. She wants to share life. She wants me to come and visit her. I want to ask for your help. I want to work further with Leung. I want to share with her. I want her to come to church with me on Friday nights with the youth. But I need to be in Phnom Penh to do this. I need your prayers and your financial support to do this. So please consider supporting me in any or all ways and please pray for Leung that God will further open her, up her heart to the good news. She's still on my list and I believe she's still on God's list too. I'm happy to share more with you, but I think our time is up. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please call or email me. I'm around. I'm happy to answer any questions. You can also come over to Cambodia if I get back and be actively involved in the ministry there with me. Come fishing. There's loads of fish. May God bless you. Or as we say in Cambodia, Sompre Amprotimbo.